Hello, hello. This is Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. I am recording this intro from my hotel room in Tokyo. I'm actually on a trip right now with Shiseido. And it's interesting because today's episode is about fragrance. And I just had a chance to go to their corporate museum where they have all of the archives and the early products. And fragrance has been a part of the company history for a long time. And I got to smell like really early fragrances and hear about the formulations for early fragrances that were being made in like the early 1900s in Japan. It was very fascinating. And it just reminded me that today's episode is an episode for the scent nerds, for the fragrance people. Um, I talked to Keta, who is the founder of Our Side, a brand that I think it arrived first in a credo box. And then I heard a few people around me talking about it. And the fragrances were like nothing I had ever smelled before. And as you all know, or maybe you don't know, but the fragrance world is not very diverse. And For Keta to be charting this path as a young black woman in the fragrance world, someone who was doing things in a way that was different and thinking about non-toxic ingredients, I just thought it would be such an interesting conversation and she did not disappoint. You all also may hear a conversation from me about the fragrance product that I'm working on that I've been working on for months, really. It's a long journey. It's a long journey. And I'm at the beginning of the journey. And fragrance is one of those things that's like the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. it's, It's constant education. And I loved having this conversation with her. And I think you will too. I also think you may want to try our side after listening to this conversation. So I have a special code just for Naked Beauty listeners. If you go to the our side site, you can get a sampler, you can get a full size. I would say get the sampler if you're new to the fragrances. I do love them all though. Use code NAKED15 for 15% at checkout. That's Naked15 for 15% at checkout if you want to try any of the our side fragrances. All right, let's get into the conversation. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Keta Burke-Williams, welcome to Naked Beauty. I am so excited to have this fragrance conversation with you today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat fragrance. And congratulations on launching our side. It's been just under a year, right? Yeah, not even six months. Uh, We launched this January, so we're very new. Incredible. And I haven't gotten to meet you in person yet, but I feel like because I've tried your fragrance, I know a little bit about who you are. For sure. I think fragrance is one of those things where you really see somebody's personality starting to, to come through. Absolutely. Just like cooking in the kitchen. Are you a good cook, by the way? I'm not. I'm passable. I My boyfriend <laughs> says that we produce food. That's how he puts it. My sister is a good cook, though. So she lives a few blocks away, and I definitely stop by her apartment whenever she's <laughs> making food. That's hilarious. And you also live in Chelsea, which is where I lived for many, many years before moving here to LA. I was on 19th and 10th. So close. Okay. I live at 21st between 7th and 8th. So right there. So I am lately just completely obsessed and consumed with fragrance. And it's one of those things that like people don't usually like to talk about. I mean, beyond like, oh, what fragrance do you like? But like you can really get to like a level of like nerddom about fragrance. That's just not fun for other people. So I feel like this is a very safe space (laughs) for us to have this conversation. Yes, I totally agree. I think it's like coffee or chocolate connoisseurs, right? Like once you start getting into it, you get in the weeds pretty fast. So I'm really excited to talk all things scent. Exactly. You can get so into the weeds. So I'd love to hear how your passion for fragrance developed and kind of what led you to pursue a career in this field, because it hasn't necessarily been like a very linear path. Yeah, that is a good point. I agree. It was not my plan to be in this industry. I think a lot of kind of things happened and came together. uh, And a culmination of moments led me to the moment where I was like, maybe I can 
you know, laundry fragrance brand. So growing up, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. My mom is Jamaican. My dad is, I like to call him like was regular black. So kind of this multicultural uh, kid in this very white suburb, but I always liked smelling things. And from a young age, whether it was going to like Bath and Body Works or burning candles with my mom on the weekend, for me, scent became this kind of thing where I could transport myself for 30 seconds. It was this escape. And I realized that although this escape came through scent, I found that over the years, things I kind of liked sort of buck tradition. So I liked my dad's Burberry for him cologne. I liked going to farmer's markets and smelling hippie oils. I wanted different scents than were really available to me, but never thought that I could be at the helm creating them. So it's been a long and winding journey. And a conversation with my sister was what kind of sparked the beginnings of our side. So what did your sister say to you that sparked it? So I was at business school. Um, I was visiting my sister for Thanksgiving in the city. Wait, and... pause, pause, pause. You, you've, got, you've got to drop where you went to business school. You can't just be like, casual, like, oh, I was at business school. I went to Harvard. I, I almost didn't apply. Fun fact. Thank you. I almost didn't apply, but my mom, sometimes mothers know best. She convinced me to apply on the last day the application was due because I was like, I don't want to spend $200 on this application if I'm not going to get in. And she was like, I have a feeling. Um, so I'm really glad that she convinced me to, to apply. But anyhow, I was having this chat with my sister at Thanksgiving and she was kind of talking to me about all things clean beauty. She had gone into a credo a beauty store and done a lot of swaps for her traditional routine. And she was like, Oh, by the way, I stopped, you know, kind of using fragrance. And I was like, what do you mean you stopped using fragrance? She's like, well, I get headaches. Um, we both have asthma and allergies. She's like, you know, I get headaches from wearing my fragrances that I'm wearing every day. And I also don't feel represented by these brands um, that I've been supporting. And I feel like, you know, it's kind of time for them to bring their values up to speed. So I think I'm just going to stop wearing it altogether. And I thought that was super disappointing. But she was right. She's a few years younger than me. She's in that kind of Gen Z cusp of like being able to demand more from the brands that we support. And I said, somebody should do something about that and then realize that maybe we could be the people to do that. So that's how it started. That's incredible. Now, most people apply to business school because they have kind of a business in mind or they want to help to grow a, another company that may not be their own company. Did you go with a specific goal of starting your own company? Definitely not. Um, okay. I thought that everyone who went in thinking they should start their own company was silly. <laughs> um, and then here I am today. I wasn't sure what I would do, but follow a more traditional kind of corporate path since that was my background working for, you know, big brands like Kraft Heinz and working for Carnival Cruise Line. I figured I'd work for another big company. But that inspiration coupled with kind of a, an entrepreneurship class where I learned that there isn't just one format of entrepreneurs. We come in all different shapes and sizes gave me the courage to start looking into something I wanted to do. Yes. As, as a former member of the corporate community, uh, that really <laughs> resonates with me. It's sort of like you start to believe that there's only like one type of job that you can do, or you feel a sense of safety in, you know, getting a regular paycheck. Mm -hmm. And then it's like you use your education and your skill set to like secure more money from a company versus building one on your own. It's also really, exactly. I'm sure, full circle for you that your fragrances are sold exclusively at Credo Beauty now, right? It is. It is a full circle moment and an exciting one. I'm smiling. You can't see it, but I'm smiling. <laughs> <laughs> we can hear the smile. Um, the listeners can hear the smile. So how did you acquire the knowledge and the skills necessary to become a fragrance maker? I've, I've been tinkering with my essential oils and droppers. And now as I'm working on developing an actual fragrance, I see it is so much harder and so much more precise than what I was doing in my backyard. But what type of training did you get to start making fragrance? So I'm not the fragrance maker. I would say I'm the creative director. And me that means that basically I have the ideas for the scents. I create the fragrance briefs, which is like, I'm sure you know by this point, these long documents of everything, how you want it to smell, the vibe, the feeling, maybe songs, maybe pictures. Um, but I work with a perfumer, uh, Daryl Doe, who's in the Bronx to actually make it happen. Because to your point, there's a big difference between mixing some things for yourself and wanting to create something that's commercially safe for everybody. And so the leap wasn't as big, but it still was a lot of learning. You know, there's a lot of terminology. There is just a big difference, I think, in the fragrance industry, which has traditionally been so closed off. So it took me, you know, researching a lot, reaching out to people on LinkedIn, cold outreach, 
and I'm still continuing to to learn and develop my skills. Yes. Now, even though you're not actually making the fragrances yourself, are there combinations that you started playing with? Did you begin with essential oils? Like, how did you first start to realize I like this category versus another category? Like, I like gourmands versus citruses versus yes. florals. How did you kind of figure out what you liked? That's a good question. I think I just love smelling things <laughs> from an early age. Like, you know, a lot of my memories and even some of my dreams have um, scent in it, which I learned was like not typical for people to dream with scent. Wow. Could you say more about that? I'm so, I am I haven't ever heard this before. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, it will just be like a dream. For example, I'll be I, I dream a lot. But if I wake up and I tell my boyfriend like, oh, I, you know, I was doing this and it smelled so weird. It, like it smelled like X, Y and Z thing. And he's like, what do you mean it smelled like? <laughs> X, Y, and Z thing. You were you were dreaming. Like, what do you mean it had a smell? Normally, you know, you hear something. People talk about what they see or they hear or they feel, but not often like what they smelled in their dreams, especially if it wasn't existing around them in the room. So, yeah, pretty different. That's so interesting. I interviewed Asia Grant, um, who is a company redo, and she talked about being having synesthesia, right? Like, see, like yes. associating smells with colors. Is that connected to this, or is this like a totally separate thing? I have no idea. I don't have synesthesia. I, I mean, that would be so cool if I did. But I think it's these ways that, you know, we experience scent in probably unique ways. You know, there's a lot of research being done on scent and memory and emotion. And it's still clear that like, we don't understand how powerful it is, but that it's our most powerful scent. So I'm sure there's like more to be discovered there. It's all connected to like our brain chemistry and memory, mm. which I want to talk about your fragrance nostalgia specifically a little bit later, but which fragrance like categories do you find that you're drawn to? I really like citruses. I really like woody, um, and I'm intrigued by like leathery, amber. I'm less of a gourmand girly, I would say. Um, but I think one thing that's made me very open is not being as much of a fragrance head as I would like to be and being more of just like a sniffer. So because I like to sniff things, whether it's like smelling the basil plant or smelling sage and realizing I don't love clary sage, but I like other varietals, um, it's made me more open to kind of experiencing the gamut um, and not just saying like, I don't like Jasmine. It's like, oh, well, I like how the Jasmine smells in real life. So why don't I like Jasmine fragrances? Um, mm -hmm. And kind of starting to discover that way. But yeah, it's a lot of trial and error, a lot of sampling other brands to see how they're tackling an accord or a note, a lot of essential oils, a lot of smelling my friends, things that are on their wardrobes, um, a lot of smelling what's in food, right? Because spices like anise could be in a food. Um, and you might think, that that might not be good for a fragrance, but we use it in one of ours. And so it's kind of having this approach that there isn't one way that things should be. So like, let me smell more and, and discover. Yes, absolutely. And do you find that there are certain fragrance houses that before you developed your own, that you kind of liked everything that they did? I think for me, not everything that they do, but I tend to really like Byredo. I think that they do like really great fragrance. Did you kind of have like a place that you felt like, okay, I really like what they're doing with scent? I think yes and no. So I would say that growing up, I definitely didn't. Like I used, what was it like Lucky You by the Lucky brand, like the jean company. And that's just because <laughs> it was gifted to me. I didn't really like it, but I was like, it's a spray and I have it. So I guess I'll use it. I really liked my mom's. I think it was like Gap Dream or something because I liked that it was kind of like this unisex, not super sweet. But as it evolved, I felt like I couldn't find a fragrance house that spoke to me. Um, I did start to learn about kind of like niche and indie fragrances. And to your point, I think Byredo, Lolabo, Diptyque all do interesting things. And they've really showed us that you can have these unconventional notes or pairings that that now might seem mainstream to have like matcha in a fragrance, but that wasn't really done, you know, popularly before them. And so I think that they really kind of elevated what a niche and luxury fragrance can be and showed us that it doesn't have to be super gendered either. Yes, the gender point is especially something that I think just needs to change because so many popular perfumes feel so like hyper feminine to me. And sometimes I like, like I can be in the right mood for like a Killian don't be shy moment, but you have to like really, for me at least, I have to like yes. really be in that mood <laughs> to be like into wearing such a feminine fragrance. Yeah, I agree. For me, that's never really been my vibe. And so I'm so excited to see more scents out there. And, I, you know, gender is, is a construct, but I think it made me feel really uncomfortable to 
wear my dad's Burberry for him cologne that I really liked because I would walk, you know, you imagine walking into school and people would be like, oh, who's, why do you smell like a guy today? So I'm so glad that we're starting to, you know, kind of move the discourse beyond what it means to like smell super feminine or masculine and show that, you know, Jasmine, a lot of men really like Jasmine in their sense. And you might think of it as a very feminine note. So I think the discourse is finally starting to evolve. Yes. Now, could you talk about this creative process and the creative brief? So you talked a little bit about adding songs and how you want the person to feel. But when you were first making and from our side, did you have one fragrance that you made first? Or did you develop all three together? We made them in sequence. So Moon Dust was our first one, Dusk was our second, and Nostalgia was our third. Interesting that Moon Dust was your first because I feel like it's the most unique and complicated of all of them. And that has like that peppermint and anise. Like it's so interesting. When I sprayed on Moon Dust, I instantly loved it. I loved the top notes. I was like, oh, this is interesting. But then when it dried down, it kind of became something else entirely. And I usually pride myself on being able to know, like when I smell something, oh, what's in this? And then I was like, I have to go on the internet immediately. <laughs> And see what's in this. And it's cedarwood, grapefruit, jasmine, peppermint, anise, vetiver, juniper berries, and palo santo. Now, I love yes. palo santo, so that's Me probably too. like, ugh. <laughs> but it's so hard to get palo santo right in fragrance. So yeah. this is a very ambitious first fragrance. What was on the creative brief and the mood board for this? Yeah, so on the creative brief, I was very specific. I am very specific about what I want and what I don't want. And I think our perfumer is really great at translating that. But I wanted Palo Santo. I knew that I wanted Brigmo. I knew that I, you know, I I was very specific about certain notes and accords that I, I wanted because I had this thing that I dreamed up in my mind, which, you know, kind of wild that it, it came to fruition. But additionally on the fragrance brief, it had a daydream. All of our scents are inspired by daydreams. And I kind of use that story to help guide me. I guess it's more the vibe rather than the specific notes and accords that you're smelling. But that was there. I think there were some songs and some pictures of kind of like Joshua Tree vibe kind of things. I wanted it to feel like a tame Burning Man kind of vibe. Um, and so yeah, I think that was on there as well. What is an accord? An accord is basically a note kind of like for all intensive purposes. It's kind of like a fragrance note, like you could say bubblegum, but bubblegum, you can't really like distill you know bubblegum <laughs> to make it smell like bubblegum so the perfumer will basically take a few raw or synthetic ingredients and put them together to make something that our nose would recognize as a bubblegum note you know i see a chord comes up a lot in fragrance descriptions and i i figured it was something kind of related to it but i wasn't sure so thank you for breaking that down yeah. and you know what i really want to understand because as i am in this process of developing fragrance what I've learned is that there's a big difference between a scent for a rollerball and like a spray. Now there's also like eau de parfum, which is what you have at our side, but there's also eau de toilette. Could you talk through the difference? Yeah. So basically eau de toilettes are, let's go in order. So like there's like body splashes, which are probably, I don't know, between five to 8% fragrance concentration. So basically the fragrance oil takes up five to 8% of like the overall volume. It's interesting because when I think about these kind of like body sprays, that brings me back to like the Victoria's Secret yes. and Bodies Works. Like when yes. you see like a slice of cake and like whipped cream mm -hmm. on like the <laughs> actual bottle. But I feel like they're coming back because you know the brand Salt Air? Yes. They just sent me they like did. They three just want, yes. body sprays. And I'm like, is this back? And it's interesting because I also think about like boys, like my brother, like teenage boys spraying on Axe body spray. Oh like body God, spray yeah. is kind of like a teenage boy thing. But then I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I don't know where it fits into my fragrance wardrobe, like a body spray, but they could be making a comeback. Maybe. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think TBD. And I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see how you can still create like a, a new fragrance experience with those but I think it would be great for people who kind of want to smell of something or maybe you're going to the gym and you don't and you love scent but you don't want to like be super overpowering maybe a body splash is the like a body spray is the way to go or maybe you know you have a really fragrant shampoo or something like that and you like how it smells and you just want the body spray to complement it I could see that kind of vibe but let, yeah let's see let's see yeah <laughs> now you brought up the gym I'm I'm sort of anti-fragrance at the gym I feel like it's not cool I don't wear it personally but there was one person that smelled really good at the gym it was a few months ago and I didn't get up the courage 
to ask her what she was wearing because I felt like it was awkward because it was a gym and she was doing like some Olympic weightlifting. So I felt like it would just be an awkward thing to be like, hey, I see you. You're very, you know, looking cool and intense. And by the way, what are you wearing? But I take it back. That sounds like a total vibe, like weightlifting with like a fabulous scent on. My experience has usually been like in a hot, sweaty group class and someone's wearing cologne and I'm like, too much. Oh yeah. Then you can't breathe it. Please. And then it's like, it's like the air, right? It's just too much. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So the spray is like a, you said like eight to 10%. Yeah. So it's like, I think five to 8% or so. Then you have an eau de toilette, which is like 10 to 15 on average. And then you have an eau de parfum, which is kind of where we sit. You kind of get like colognes lumped in there. It kind of depends. And then you have extraits, which are like the highest fragrance concentration. And that goes all the way up to 30%. And that's kind of like the max. So even when some, something says it's like pure fragrance oil, it's not because that wouldn't be safe for us. And you probably wouldn't be able to smell anything either. I think about it like, like alcohol. So, you know, some of like your great whiskeys or rums, if you have it full force, Sometimes you can't taste it. You might need to add an ice cube or a few drops of water so that you can actually like let it breathe and have all the the flavors come out. That totally makes sense. So you're at 20%, correct? Yeah, we're between 15 and 22 in like all of our fragrances. Yes, interesting. Now, roller balls versus sprays. And I'll tell you as a consumer, so everyone knows I'm obsessed with the Lalabo Matcha Tea Scent. Yes. And I had the spray first and then I was like, I'm going to get the body wash. I'm going to get the rollerball. And I have to say the rollerball was kind of disappointing. Like it just didn't, it wasn't the same. And as I've learned more, I've learned that even the delivery method can change the experience of the scent. So when you're formulating for a rollerball versus a spray, what differences do you have to account for? Yeah, so we kept it the same because we wanted to keep things simple, but I think there are quite a few. So some people you'll see that their rollerballs are oil-based. One, just because some people like putting their fragrances in oil and it might be to your point for a totally different consumer, especially because when you're applying the fragrance directly to your skin, you might experience different notes than when you're spraying it. It just is kind of how it's delivered. Like when we use, when I use our moon dust rollerball, um, for example, I think I notice more um, of the bergamot oil that's in there, for example, but I don't notice it as much when I'm spraying it. So for rollerballs, I think it is very interesting because your skin can interact with fragrances in different ways. And when it heats up kind of like the scent, when it's directly applied to your skin, your skin might be warm. And so it might be giving off different things than if you're spraying it and it's almost just settling on you or your clothing. Just like if you're spraying a fragrance on your clothing versus on your person, it, you know, might end up smelling different as well because of interacting with your body, what other fragrances you might have on your body without realizing it, like lotion or your body wash or something like that. So there's a whole kind of host of things to be considered. But I think the rollerball is definitely a different kind of experience typically than the the spray. Yeah, and like a little bit more intimate and fabulous for being on the go like a little and I yes grab that's what I moment. exactly I put them in my bag and I carry them around with me because you know you might spray in the morning and I'm kind of like a, a less kind of is more on the spring and so then I like to I prefer to reapply rather than like walk around with the whole cloud of scent around me all day so the rollerballs are great for like an on-the-go application yes now I'm so happy you brought up this whole thing about how you apply your fragrance because we had a whole discussion on Naked Beauty Planet. I uploaded a clip. I interviewed a founder who says she does a spray and then she walks into it and kind of like let it settles onto her. Yes. I, do I listen my, to that. <laughs> okay. And I do my pulse points. Some people do their hair. Someone commented and said he puts his fragrance on the back of his neck as well, mm-hmm. which I was like, that's brilliant. People were saying they put it on their ankles. Other people were saying they put it on their body and it doesn't last. So they spray their clothes. And I'm like, wow, everyone kind of has their own little like remit. I thought we were all doing the same yes. thing. Everyone, <laughs> no, <laughs> everyone's doing different things. So what, how do you put on fragrance and are you layering? Are you thinking about your, like mm-hmm. the soap you use in the shower and then the lotion? And then, like, are you thinking about all of those components? Hmm. So I would say my lotion is like Nivea. So it's pretty, it has a scent, but at least it's like pretty innocuous. Yeah. Yeah. And same with sometimes my body wash, I use like Necessaire's, you know, um, eucalyptus exfoliator, but I feel like it doesn't last too much. So it's not, you know, super bad if I'm putting on fragrance and I am either using rollerballs on my pulse point. So like my wrist inside my elbow, back of neck as well, like kind of like behind the ears and maybe even kind of like underneath my arms um, because a lot of heat kind of comes from there. So anywhere where there's a lot of heat, then I kind of want that because it'll help the 
the fragrance kind of like sing. Interesting. Um, so when you say underneath yeah. your arms, underneath your upper arm, kind of like if yeah. you trace from your armpit to your elbow, like that exactly, area. exactly. I saw my mom do that, and I was like, interesting. But then I realized like there's a lot of heat there, just like you know, just like your pulse points, like your wrist is kind of like there's more heat there, and just like in you know inside your elbow as well. So I was like, might as well. But there is no one right way to put on fragrance, and like that's what I love about it. Like no matter what people say, I feel like everyone finds a way that works for them. Moisturized base for me is important. Like if my skin is too dry, then the fragrance, no matter how good the longevity just isn't going to last super long. So that's very important for me. And then I typically spray the pulse points. I don't spray my clothes unless I want it to really, really last because then it might also last through the uh, next wash. Right. Which can sometimes be nice. Like yes. if, I, if I go to like a special event and then like I put on that jacket that I wore and like it still smelled mm-hmm. like a little <laughs> Tom Ford moment. Uh, from exactly. The last time I wore it, but yeah, it can, it, it will last. That's also a great point about keeping your body moisturized and that helping to retain the fragrance. That's totally mm-hmm. makes sense. And it's not, so I feel like I'm always, I'm always moisturized. So <laughs> but yes, it's, but it's something that should definitely be considered when you really want your fragrance to last. Mm-hmm. I think that's more important than like not rubbing. I, there's a lot of discourse around if you should like rub the fragrance because it breaks down the molecules. Um, I've spoken to our perfumer about it and he is like, that's bogus <laughs> because mo- molecules are getting crushed when like the perfume is getting shaken up, when it's getting sprayed, when it's yes. getting um, mixed around in the vats. But you know, that's okay. Neither here nor there. But I think moisturized base is like the most important. Yes. Now, Making a fragrance is a journey. I'd love to hear how long the whole process took you, but also what challenges you faced as a fragrance maker and how you've yeah. overcome those in, in the process. Hmm. So the first fragrance was faster. I think that one, when I say faster, I mean like eight, nine months or something like that, like not super fast. But when I found the perfumer that I wanted to work with, then yeah, it was about eight to nine months from there. I think why I really wanted to work with him is I felt like he was asking me interesting questions. He didn't have too much pushback on like what was right or wrong. Whereas some other fragrance houses I spoke with, they told me like my ideas were basically crazy and I didn't appreciate that. So okay, <laughs> that so, was really important. <laughs> and, and also, I mean, you're a young black woman. There, there are not a lot of people of color in this space yeah. as I'm learning. What were the crazy, quote unquote, crazy ideas you had? And how were you able to have the confidence to say this idea is not crazy? It's, it's actually a good idea. Yeah. So I think the crazy ideas that I had were just how I wanted to bring sense to life and that I thought the company had potential, right? So I talked to some bigger fragrance houses, what they will typically do is give you an off the off the kind of library solution. So they'll have had lots of different what they call mods, basically, samples that they've made for other brands that the brands didn't choose. And then you might tell them you want one thing, but they go through their library of things they've already formulated and then just give you something. That was not it for me. I had this very clear idea of what I wanted. And so I wanted them to help me bring that to life. So that's one piece. But to your point also, I wanted to work with a manufacturer that I felt like aligned with my values and that was made in the, you know, that was in the US because there is this discourse that all of the great fragrances need to be made in grass France. And a lot of great fragrances have come from there, but that's not the only place that fragrances can be made. So true. This point about like the fragrance being made in France, you start to realize once you pay closer attention to fragrance marketing, how much propaganda there is you know it's like (laughs) and sort of like the things that we wouldn't accept in like skincare or anything else like if someone told us like oh the best skincare is only made in France we would be like what that's wild what are you talking about (laughs) exactly and then what I also love about going into the Lalabo stores is like they make the fragrance right in there like you see them measuring pouring yes it's it's a process and it's science and it's but it's not this like I don't know I feel like you see some of these like marketing videos and they're like it's just way over the top it's like doves are creating <laughs> the fragrance with like classical music playing in the background um, <laughs> it's just like propaganda honestly yeah I think you know when you think back to a lot of scents like the Middle East has like a very strong and storied scent history and a lot of like islands you know so uh, yeah I personally have strong feelings on this I think that's why it's so important for more black and brown people to be invited into fragrance because the fragrances are so often the stories of the creators and the perfumers. And so it's time for us to invite more voices so that we can have more representation and more examples of, you know, what those stories 
are. Absolutely. And I'm so happy you brought up the Middle East. And, you know, I think oud is something that, and it's interesting because it's like, people will say that things have oud, but when you smell like the actual, like pure resin, it is like (laughs) so, so pungent. I discovered an incredible fragrance house based in Istanbul, actually called Nishane. Have you heard of Nishane? Oh, yes, I have. They're kind of like popular in um, fragrance talk, I feel like. Oh, they are? Okay. (laughs) I think so, yeah. I just discovered them and they have this beautiful fragrance called Ani, A-N-I. Oh, I haven't smelled it. Have you smelled any of their fragrances? Only like one. Okay. I just got their black tea fragrance. Now, a problem that I have, and tell me if you have this, I will get really excited about a sample. I'm always ordering my samples on Lucky Scent. And then the full bottle comes and I like stop liking it. I don't, this has happened to me like six times. Yeah, it's definitely, I was going to say like sampling is the way to go and taking your time about it, but you know, things change. And and I think sometimes when scents, at least for me, are like super one way or another, like either like all, ooh, you know, extreme yes, at first, yes, I might yes. think, oh, I love that. And then I realize I it's a really, it takes a really specific mood to want to yes. do that. So then if you want to still use that bottle, then maybe like layering it and figuring out what it can go with is a good way to use it up or just gifting it, you know, to somebody else who you think is an Oud fan. That's also like a great way. And somebody will be very happy to get that nice bottle of fragrance. That's also how I see it. Yes. Now you mentioned fragrance talk and, and for people that are like, what's fragrance like fragrance, TikTok. I actually just (laughs) uploaded a fragrance review on TikTok today. Cause I'm like, I really, I I'm, I'm like in it now. Like I'm like searching for reviews. I'm searching for what other people are saying. And fragrance is really hard to communicate orally. Right. And you were also selling a product online, right? Like people can hear it at our side. We can talk about the notes, but you can't necessarily experience it unless you go into a credo store. Do you have samples available on your site? We brought them back. We have discovery kits. So they're okay. basically two mLs of each that you can purchase. And like, that's a good way to figure Discover. out what's, yeah, mm-hmm, yes. what's right for you. But it is hard. It's hard. That's something that we try to deal with. And I think, so we try to accomplish it in a few different ways. We have the notes on our site. We also have the fragrance story, which is kind of like the daydream that inspired the scent to give you the, the vibe of it. And we're still working on ways to kind of talk about the vibe in a different way so that no matter who you are, there's a way that we explain it that makes sense to you. But again, it's kind of like, you know, it's that thing that no one has figured out how to do yet, I would say. And we're all like learning together. Yes. You know, there are certain adjectives that I feel like are helpful when I'm hearing people talk about scents. When something's described as like creamy or powdery or that the notes sparkle on top. Are there certain adjectives that you find helpful in describing your fragrances? That's a good question. I would say what's most helpful is the fragrance story. I think for some people who know, for example, that they really like vetiver. Like if you know that, oh, I you take a look at your perfume collection, all the things that you like seem to have this note in common, then it's helpful because you can search, you know, for perfumes that have those notes in it of vetiver and maybe it is Palo Santo or something. So that's a good story. But then for other people, you might be like, I have no idea what vetiver smells like, or sometimes, you know, vetiver smells like dirt to me. So how is it going to smell in this scent? And that's why we have this story to be like, no, this is a state of mind that we think you should be in, um, or that we were in when we created this scent. But it's still like a learning experience of of what's going to resonate with people and what's going to help them understand how the scent is going to, you know, be for them. Yes. So you found this perfumer in the Bronx who didn't think your ideas were crazy, <laughs> really listened to you and helped you kind of bring your sense to life. Other than yeah. getting initial pushback, were there any other challenges that you came across in the journey? What should I expect? What road bumps are coming for me? I think one that's tough is making sure that people understand you, right? We all have different vocabularies and it sounds simple, but it's so hard, especially as someone, you know, I don't come from fragrance either. So I don't have that huge vocabulary of this is, you know, electronic note, like all those things to your point, I, I might not use the same words. And so when I'm saying, you know, something smells too powdery for my liking, they might be like, well, what do you mean powdery? Is it like baby powder? Or is it like an aldehyde? You know, so (laughs) I think part of it is finding you know, finding the words that you can use together. And it's kind of like this dialogue, just like when you're in a relationship of like saying 
how you feel. It's like, what are you really saying (laughs) beyond the words that you're using? And I think that's kind of a piece. And then also trusting your instincts. It's weird because, you know, perfume is an art, not an exact science. And I'm typically somebody who I don't like arts and crafts because I like, you know, I I prefer baking to cooking because they're normally instructions of like, this is for 20 minutes, not until browned or whatever. And with fragrance, you just kind of have to learn to trust yourself and feel it out um, and go with your gut. I think that's something that I've learned so far. That's really great advice. And I so hear you on the um, language, you know, even things Mm -hmm. like the term maceration is a new term that I've learned because I was like, (laughs) you know, I sprayed the sample and it feels very like alcoholy, like alcohol. I I said alcohol forward to sound smarter, slightly (laughs) smarter than like, it feels very alcohol forward. And they were like, yeah, that's like maceration, like relax. Like it's just from the lab. Like it's going to sit for five weeks. Like they were like, okay, relax. But that term maceration is not something that I knew or understood. And until it's explained to you, you don't understand that when fragrance is made in the lab, it has to sit for like, I think they said five, six weeks for some of that alcohol to dissipate. Yeah, it has a whole process. That's a good point. You can't really be super hurried because if you do it kind of messes up the whole process. Like if you pull a fragrance off the off the process, maybe it's not going to be blended how you want because it needs to be the fragrance oils need to be blended together. Then you need to add whatever carrier, whether it be water and alcohol or whether it be fractionated coconut oil or whatever that is, it needs to macerate and blend for a while. Then it kind of needs to age as well. And then it can finally be filled and bottled. So you can't really rush any step of the process if you if you want the outcome that you want, which is definitely hard when, you know, we were out of stock and I was like, can we hurry this up in our perfume and our manufacturer? Like you can, but you shouldn't. So let's not. But you shouldn't. Um, Exactly. And there's so many kind of interesting things happening in like the niche indie fragrance space. I'm now going to a point where I'm like, I don't even want like the big brands that you can find in department stores. I'm like all niche, but also just in terms of like sense like I'm smelling things that use grass that use dirt um there's I there was like this Japanese fragrance I was smelling recently that they I guess the accord to use my Mm -hmm. new word I learned for you was lightning like like physical lightning but it has like these metallic notes in it yes um it was not for me to wear day to day but it was just so interesting like oh wow something can smell like lightning how do you kind of like stay on top of what the fragrance trends are or new and interesting innovative things happening in the space I think it's a combination. So I do a lot of sniffing myself. New York is a good place for that since there are kind of different fragrance boutiques. I lean on our perfumer for asking him to smell his accordion of stuff every time I go in to visit him. And luckily, since he's in the Bronx, I like take a train there. And then I also sample a lot from brands um, to see what they're doing and experimenting to your point, big brands, small brands, just to see what's out there and what's being done to push the boundaries. And then I also read reports, you know, I'm kind of a nerd. So uh, when I was at business school, I had access to a lot of free reports and I read those. And now New Voices Foundation has been really helpful with getting me access to some things that wouldn't typically be free. So that's really helpful as well. And then watching, you know, perfume TikTok, not too much because I could doom scroll, um, but just seeing what people are chatting about. And then knowing that we're not going to try to follow all the trends, but being aware of what's out there is still helpful. Yes. Nostalgia. We have to talk about nostalgia. (laughs) Nostalgia is a very personal thing, right? What's nostalgic to me isn't going to be nostalgic to you. I want you to tell your story about why the scent is nostalgic, but talk to me about creating the scent nostalgia and what it brings up for you. Yeah. So nostalgia is our third scent that we created. It's a jasmine forward scent, I guess you could call it, but in all the like non-traditional ways, like it's not like Joy or Chanel number five. And I distinctly wanted that because I wanted to find a way to make jasmine modern but it's inspired by a story that my mom would tell my sister and me growing up so she is jamaican but she is an interesting woman has had this whole storied past she was a backup dancer for an artist in france and they had a show in tunisia and at that show she smelled night blooming jasmine for what she recalls as the first time she tells us this story of going back after the show, leaving the hotel room, opening this white gate and um, seeing these jasmine kind of plants because, you know, they can like, they're like vines almost all around her, being by the water, having this breeze and hearing the water and kind of like smelling the plant and the breeze along with the dirt and everything else that comes with it, right? And so that moment for her, that happened in 1984. But whenever she talks about like the specific moment of experiencing that smell, that is the same, even though all the other details around the story always like change. Um, So for me, 
it's this way of kind of re-experiencing that moment with her and bringing it into a story that feels like my own. So that's the inspiration behind Nostalgia. No, I mean, that's that's so great to hear. Now, between Moon Dust and Dusk and Nostalgia, and actually, you should describe Dusk as well. We might as well talk about the, the third fragrance. Yeah, so Dusk, I would say, is a very fresh woody scent, I guess you could describe it as. It's a come hither scent for sure. And it's the most kind of, I would say, sultry one out of our portfolio. I don't know if you'd agree. It's kind of juicy because of the fig and the berries, but it has this very warm, woody dry down. And yeah, I love it for like, I think of it as like good memories on like a bad night kind of vibes. Yeah. (laughs) So the reason why I don't have as much to say about Dusk is because I was wearing it. I wore it to a comedy show with my girlfriend, Bianca. Shout out to Bianca. She's been on the podcast and she was like, what are you wearing? Like, I need to know what fragrance you're wearing immediately. And I said, it's called Dusk. It's from our side. I have it on me right now. And I showed her the little bottle and she sprayed it mm-hmm. on. And she was like, oh, I'm obsessed with this. Oh my God. And I said, you know what? You can keep it. I just got it. But you can keep it because it's making you That's so a good happy. Friend. And it was her big night because she had her comedy show. And so I only got to experience it for one night, but it had such a reaction from her. And it's exactly what you would describe. It was like a late night out in LA and she just loved it. <laughs> and now she has it. So I've got to catch up with her to, to hear how she's been liking yes. dust, but it is a very beautiful, and I love a fig. I love a fig. Fragrance. Me too. Fig notes. Yes. I love oh my fig. Gosh. Now, <laughs> if you love fig, have you tried Diaz and Durga's debaser or debaser? I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it. I think it's it. debaser. Um, no, I haven't, but I like Diaz and Durga. They also like experiment a lot. And I, yeah, I really admire what they're doing as well, but I have to smell debaser. I've smelled a lot of other ones that they've done. Yes. Bistro water, you know, yeah, they're interesting. They're very interesting. And I think debaser, if you like fig it's really nice but it's like a green fig that's the other thing right it's like you can get like a sweet gourmand fig and then you can get like a green it's like almost like a ripe versus unripened fig and I prefer like a greener fig yeah and that's the interesting thing about like plants is there's so many pieces that you can use of them for perfumery like even orange or like neroli or whatever you know you can use kind of the skin you like the oil from the skin you could use the oil from the you could use the leaves basically you can use the bark essentially like there's so many ways that you know, neroli can essentially smell because of like, depending on what part of the plant you use. So that's the same with fig, right? It's like, is it going to be that creamy, sweet fig? Or is it going to be like that green? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> love it. Yes. Love it. Love scent. <laughs> now, how do you approach the balance between creating a fragrance that's commercially appealing versus one that's artistically satisfying? Because as you're creating fragrance, it's like, yes, would I wear this, but it's also would other people wear it. And then how far am I pushing the bounds? The say you brought up music earlier. There are musicians that probably want to experiment with new things, but then it's like, can this be played yeah. on Spotify? <laughs> Is this something yes. that people would listen to? Um, how do you strike that balance? That's a good question. I think because I was so new to the industry, I didn't think about it too much when we were creating our fragrances, which gave me more freedom and flexibility. For me, fragrance was never, I always wanted to wear it, right? Or like want to experience it. The end vision is that we have other fragrance applications, like whether it be a candle or soap or whatnot. So I always wanted it to be something that I wanted to experience. I didn't want to do it out of the purely like, you know, forensic educational thing of like, oh, could I make something that smells like lightning? For me, that was never, never it. I wanted to make something that I wanted to be able to wear and my sister wanted to wear and that hopefully other people wanted to wear. And so for me, that was kind of the litmus test. But I didn't realize until, you know, until... I was creating these things that they don't exist, which is great. That's the whole point of bringing something new to life. But I didn't realize how different they were until people were like, you really want to, you want to pair that with that. And you want to make Jasmine, but you know, not make it smell powdery. Now tell me why, (laughs) you know, so that's kind of been the the process and the journey. And you know what, for people listening that aren't obsessed with fragrance, I think you will be like, just allow yourself (laughs) if you, I feel like everyone unless you have really, really like severe reactions to fragrance, I feel like there's truly a fragrance for everyone. And even you, you were saying, right, that you used to be someone that would get headaches and kind of Mm -hmm. not feel great about fragrance. And I do think that there's a fragrance for everyone, but we're going to segue the conversation away from fragrance for a moment, because I need to know your top three favorite beauty products right now that you just absolutely love. 
Okay, so I would have to say I'm a beauty minimalist because I'm very bad with makeup um, and very lazy when it comes to skincare, but I do have a few things I like. So sunscreen is like one thing that my sister got me to do, which I'm very glad. So Supergroup yes. or Black Girl Sunscreen, those are the two that I'm currently um, alternating between. And then... And for, okay, wait, because there's there are a lot of Supergroups and there yes. are a lot. It's the Black Girl Sunscreen, there's like the matte, and then there's like the kind of OG one. Do you know oh. which one you use? I think it's the OG one. I don't okay. mind being a little shiny, so okay. I'm good with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I've been using from uh, Black Girl Sunscreen? They did a partnership with The Little Mermaid, and I've been using The yes. Little Mermaid Black Girl Sunscreen, and Aww. I love it. I love it. My son always wants to use it. Love Black Girl Sunscreen. Okay, and then Super Goop. I am like a Super Goop diehard and they have, <laughs> you talk about fragrance wardrobe. You can have a whole sunscreen wardrobe, so what you do you can. like Super Goop? It's just the basic of the most basic. I don't know what it is. Daily, but it's every that, day. Yeah, I think it's the daily because my sister has also, is also a super group stand. So she has like the little, the, what is it? Like the powder brush thing that you can brush. Oh, yeah. She has like spray that you can reapply. She has um, like a balm or something. She has the original one. But you I gotta just get your the, sister on yes. Naked Beauty. She's, she's, she's got all the, yes. but okay. But you, you use the daily moisturizer, the which daily, I love. Yes, exactly. Just like every day, I know what it's going to be. I use it. It makes me a little shiny, but not too much. Like a little scented because it everything has a scent, but not really, right? Like just a good everyday staple. So yeah, that's that on sunscreen. And then that. what else? I use Tower 28s. They have these like almost like multi-purpose bomb things. I have one that's like Beach Please. That's the shade. Yes. Um, I, I got it, it when I, I did. Yeah, I love it too. I got it when I did Tower 28s Clean Beauty Summer School a while back. And Amy gifted us these things. And I was like, oh, I actually love this. I just carry it with me all the time. And I feel like it's very foolproof because I can apply it with my fingers. So I appreciate that. Yeah. If you and like then, that, do you know what you have mm-hmm. to try from Tower 28? What? You have to try they have a bronzer, a cream bronzer, same pot oh. as the as the cheek balm. Um, okay. I have one in Bronzino is the shade, and they actually worked with yes. a black woman, a black makeup artist, to formulate it um, oh, because really? bronzer is different. It's for, so hot. Yes. Oh you know? my god. Yeah. Um, so that cream bronzer is beautiful, <laughs> okay. and it's like formulated so well, and it's like so easy to use. Okay. Okay. Love it. I'm okay. writing that down. Yeah. Um, and then my third thing is fragrances. <laughs> Okay. So I I like it because like it's you know it no matter how I feel um I feel like if my skin is dry then sometimes the concealer doesn't go on it how I want or whatever that is like mascara is something I normally use but fragrance is like you don't have to be in any right state of mind to use fragrance. You literally spray it on. There's no right or wrong. And it makes you, like for me, it can make me feel empowered or it can make me feel calm. And so that's kind of like the third piece in my beauty wardrobe, I would say. Yes. Okay. I love to hear that. So can you give us any sneak peeks or kind of upcoming projects or collaborations that you're excited about or like just even a particular direction that you want to focus on? Yeah, so we have a couple like partnerships in the works that I have NDAs for, but I hope they come to fruition because they're really exciting. On the product side, I am really excited to be experimenting with different scent applications. So basically, like we're working on something that you can burn um, right now, which I'm really excited about because my vision for our side was always like kind of scent that can transform your life through these small moments of, you know, pockets of peace, I guess, that you can create through them. And some people are just never going to be perfumed people right that's just not their preferred way of experiencing scent but I think scent can play a role and should play a role in all of our lives so I want to create different ways for people to experience scent so that's what we're working on right now and I'm very excited about it that's amazing well I'm excited and you didn't say what it was could be candle could be incense there are many things you could burn that's true (laughs) um, I'll I'll leave it as a mystery how would you define your personal fragrance style or like signature as a perfume creative director Oh, that's a tough question. What a good one. I guess my personal fragrance style is very unexpected and experimental. I'm always trying different things like, you know, growing up, whether it was, you know, going to the farmer's market and getting those perfume oils from hippie ladies or trying to apply essential oils directly to my skin, which I now know is not safe all the time. Um, I always wanted to experience different things. I think as a creative director, you can experience unexpected notes and accords and then kind of unusual combinations of everyday notes. That's what I'm really interested in. I think of it kind of like music, as you talked about, like there's so many songs that can be made from the same, you know, notes on a piano or even the same chords and they can feel so different and like a a breath of fresh air. So that's what I'm really interested in experimenting with of like, how can we make the everyday elevated and special by kind of reimagining it? So 
that's kind of the signature, I guess. I love that. And final question, when do you feel most beautiful? I think I feel most beautiful when my body feels happy. And I have, you know, stomach things, I have asthma, I have allergies. So whenever my body feels healthy, whether that's from going to the gym or like taking a walk, I think that's when I feel most beautiful is like when I feel good. And when I feel comfortable and confident, and I'm around people that I love, and I feel like they love me as well. So that's when I feel most beautiful. I love to hear that. And it's, uh, I felt that one because um, I'm kind of having a little bit of a summer cold. My body's not feeling healthy. And it's like one of those Mm -hmm. things when you're, when you're not healthy, you realize how much you take it for granted. Yes, right. Just simply not having a cough or running, just like feeling healthy is such mm-hmm. a thing that we take for granted. And it does so much to make us feel good um, and beautiful in our bodies. So I really I appreciate agree. that perspective. Well, thank you so much for joining Naked Beauty. I am truly so, so excited about our side. I'm so happy that I got to have this conversation with you. And I just already know that the Naked Beauty listeners and audience is going to love your fragrances. So this was very special. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, Brooke. This has been amazing. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. All right, beauties, I hope you loved that conversation as much as I did. Fragrance is something that I could talk about for a long time. And if you guys want more fragrance episodes, I would love to hear from you. You can always DM me at Naked Beauty Planet. And while I'm here in incredible, inspiring, amazing Tokyo, I also have lots of beauty updates. So I will be doing an episode deep dive on all things Japanese beauty culture, all of the stuff that I'm seeing and observing. And I can't wait to talk to you about all of that. Today's episode was produced by MBA. Kasanga. Make sure you're subscribed, leave a rating and review if you really love the show and thank you so much for your support. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.